Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to At Your Service. Dave Simons with you tonight. It is 8.20 in St. Louis. In fact, 8.20 where I am down in Texas. And I apologize. I know that the audio apparently isn't as crisp and clear as we're usually used to on Camo X. We're trying to work on a couple of things. But um, I know that you can hear me and understand me, even if I do tend to go up and down just a little bit i had mentioned how the fact that my head was still in the clouds and you think are you are you actually broadcasting from the clouds dave no no i'm i'm actually in the same place that i've hosted the show before so uh bear with me we'll get through it and we'll do the best job we can together uh what i'm talking about is the history once again of where we got to with silicon valley bank and i had talked about the fact that this is a a 40-year-old bank that nobody had really heard of before until the pandemic started. Well, nobody had really heard of before outside of the tech startup industry. And then they were flooded with all kinds of the easy money dollars that came to them as more and more startups were finding it very easy to finance their new operations. And they couldn't get that, the traditional kinds of loans, through the uh, traditional banking system. So they were getting that at Silicon Valley Bank. So now they have, as I mentioned before, the bank a few years ago had about $60 billion in assets. And a couple of years later, it had grown to nearly $200 billion. So they had more than tripled their deposit size because of what had happened financially during and after the, the pandemic. Well, what are they going to do with all this money? They could not lend it out fast enough. There wasn't that much business and there weren't that many new tech startups wanting to um, to come to fruition. So this was back when the interest rates were at zero still in the aftermath of the pandemic, right? The Fed had yet to start raising interest rates. And they were only getting about 25 basis points or a quarter of 1% on their savings. Like, like all of us, we were barely getting anything, right? Well, when you've got billions of dollars just sitting there and you're not having enough demand to loan it out and you have to be responsible with it, you do have some regulations that you can't speculatively invest that. We're going to get to that in a second. So you do what you think is the safe thing to do, and you take this money and you say, look, what's the safest investment in the world? It's a quiz here. What is known as the safest investment in the world? 
U.S. Treasuries backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. So at this point, Silicon Valley Bank execs still have really done nothing wrong. There's no egregious mistakes on this on their part. They've done everything right. Their business is booming. They take all of this extra cash. And just to eke out a little extra yield on all of that cash, those the extra tens of billions of dollars, they buy into U.S. Treasury bonds. Now, here's mistake number one. Instead of keeping it short, and also instead of hedging their interest rate risk, they decided to put a big, vast chunk of this change into long-dated, long-maturity bonds, 20 years, up to 30 years, just because that was the only way to stretch for the extra yield. Now, even then, they were barely even getting 2%. I, for what I read, their average yield on all these bonds at the time was about one and a half percent. Now, folks, Econ 101, what happens when bond yields go up to your current bond portfolio? If you buy a bond that is yielding one and a half percent, and let's say it's a 20-year bond, and it yields one and a half percent, and the Fed starts jacking up interest rates, Yields are going up across the board, and a year or two later, a newly issued 20-year bond is 5%. Um, What's up with the bond that you're holding that you bought a couple of years ago at 1.5%? Nobody wants it. You you cannot hold it to maturity, or you don't want to hold it to maturity, and so you sell it. Well, you're going to sell it at a very steep discount. There's a mathematical formula that will basically tell you exactly what that thing is worth, but you're going to take a big hit. And that's what happened. So mistake number two was not recognizing the kind of risk, interest rate risk they had. This is this is unbelievable to me that folks who are supposed to be very smart in business and are supposed to have risk controls, internal risk controls, could not see that they were sitting on potentially a case of dynamite here. As rates were going up, as the Fed was raising rates, apparently the folks at Silicon Valley Bank were still not addressing it. Their bond portfolio was going down in value. Now, here's what was starting to happen in 2022. As rates are going up and Silicon Valley Bank's portfolio of tens of billions of dollars worth of bonds is losing value, the tech sector started to dry up. That's what happens when a lot of these startups need to borrow money and all of a sudden the interest rates are a little too high for them. So they sit on the sidelines and say, we're going to sit this out. Apparently, we're going through a phase where the Fed has to raise rates to combat inflation. But hopefully, at least everybody says this, all the economists, the Fed will have to lower interest rates in another year or two. We're just going to wait. But we're already doing business. So we're not going to borrow to expand. We just need to stay afloat. So we're going to go back to Silicon Valley Bank that's holding all of our assets, and we're going to ask for it back. Or we're going to ask for a big chunk of it back to continue to finance our operations. See how this works? And Silicon Valley Bank has a problem. They don't have just a lot of ready cash. Remember, they had invested it in these long-term bonds that are down in value. So as customers, these well-heeled institutional clients and very wealthy people are asking for money out of the bank.
The bank is having to sell these bonds at huge losses. Some of these bonds are down more than 30%. Then the rumors start that there are issues there. And once a rumor begins, it's a wildfire. It's hard to contain. And at this point, emotions are stronger than fundamentals. It didn't matter anymore what bank officials tried to say to their big customers that everything is going to be okay. Don't panic. It'll be fine. It didn't matter. Once word got out that that bank could be in trouble, there was a run on the bank. And folks, that's where we are today. It happened quickly. And that gets us to the point of a comment that I'll make here in that if this were to if this had occurred, let's say, 20 years ago, maybe even 12 or 15 years ago, it's possible Silicon Valley Bank would still be around. Why is that? Well, I, I think Congressman Patrick McHenry said it best. He is the House Financial Services chair. And he said, quote, this might be the first Twitter-fueled bank run. Well, it's not might be. It is. This was a Twitter-fueled bank run. Unbelievable how quickly word spread in a way that could not have spread before. You know the old-fashioned bank runs, right? We've seen pictures of it. You start to hear that a bank's in trouble. You might have heard something on the radio. You watch it on the nightly news. You read it in the morning newspaper. You talk to your friends who have some deposits at the local bank and you think, oh, my goodness, maybe we need to go down there, get into our jalopy, drive down to the bank, stand in line and try to get some of our money out. This thing that the old fashioned way, it might take days, even weeks for it to unfold. Now, in today's world of social media, it happens in real time. So what you had, a large number of customers were going online or they're using their mobile device because of something they read on Twitter about where Silicon Valley Bank was, and they started pulling money out. I love this quote from Ben Thompson. He's an analyst who tracks the tech industry, and he wrote in a post just yesterday, quote, what made the Silicon Valley Bank run unique was, number one, the ease with which its customers could execute withdrawals, and number two, the speed with which news of Silicon Valley Bank's impending demise spread. It was the speed, fueled by zero distribution costs for both rumors and withdrawals, that was so destabilizing. That's exactly right. Now, let me end this little segment by adding this. Who was spreading the rumors? Who was feeding this beast? Who was causing the panic online? Was it mom and pop investors? No, they weren't doing business at Silicon Valley Bank. It was some of the big boys out there, the ones who had tens of millions of dollars deposited at Silicon Valley Bank. In fact, there was a guy, uh, he's a tech investor, a, a, a big guy out there named Jason Calacanis, and he put in all caps. I love how people do this in social media and on Twitter. They, you know, it's like, Brick and Anchorman. I don't know what we're yelling about. So he puts it in all caps. You should be absolutely terrified right now. That is the proper reaction. Dude, seriously? The guy probably didn't even really understand what was going on. He's, a, he's just a big tech investor. So that prompted a guy named Mark Suster. He is, he's a partner at a venture capital firm. 
what we call VC firms, venture capital, called Upfront Ventures. And he urged those in his VC community to cool it, to chill. His quote, you need to speak out publicly to quell the panic. This is creating mass hysteria. Well, unfortunately, uh, his calls for calm were not enough. So I think McHenry is exactly right. This really is the uh, first Twitter-fueled bank run. And I think we all need to understand this. Let's not pass it by what has happened here. This is the new way that rumors really can fuel mass hysteria and create these kinds of things. And it's really not just bank runs. This could happen in any field. So in the future, folks, don't participate. I do not like Twitter. I've said it before. I think it's a cesspool. I don't use it. I know people can use it for good. That, that's fine. I don't participate in it because of reasons like this. So don't participate. Pull back. Take a deep breath because there's so much misinformation that you see on a platform like Twitter. It can cause you to make really, really poor decisions. I'm not saying Silicon Valley Bank would not have been in trouble 20 years ago if the same things had happened. But I think they would have had a fighting chance because the Fed and other government officials could have come in. They could have calmed the markets a little bit. They might have even been able to find some buyers if they had some time. But there was just such a major panic rush last Thursday and Friday. They really had no choice but just to shut her down. All right. So did the government do the right thing by backstopping all of the deposits above the FDIC insurance limit of $250,000? My immediate reaction was no. I know that's harsh. I know that's draconian. But I changed my mind in the last 24 hours. And I'll explain why when we come back. You're listening to, as you can tell, a remote version of the At Your Service tonight on Camo X. My name's Dave Simons. We shall, we shall return. Stay with us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Serving St. Louis for over 96 years. KMOX. Oh, under pressure. Don't you know it, folks? It is 836 in St. Louis, and I know a lot of people have felt that kind of pressure in the financial markets, and that may include many of you as investors. And you're and you're uh, rightfully worried. I mean, is this thing contained with Silicon Valley Bank? Did the feds and government officials do the right thing? Is this quickly going into the rearview mirror? Or do we have more banks potentially to fail? Let's dig into that a little bit. This is Dave Simons filling in for At Your Service remotely from Texas, where, yeah, still living in the clouds because of the big wedding of my daughter, which I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to escape some comments in the next hour about some of the uh, the things that went on with it are just still blow me away. Um, put it right up there with 
the birth of that said daughter uh, 28 years ago or so. Hey, how many of you know the name of Ken Griffin? Ken Griffin is not a household name, but he's well known um, for people like me. He is simply one of the most successful hedge fund managers in the history of finance. Uh, if you're lucky, he'll invite you to one of his homes, one of his many homes, not just in the U.S., but around the world. Um, and I don't say that uh, from any personal experience. I've never been invited. Don't know the guy personally. But we're talking $100 million homes and above. Some of the wealthiest and most expensive homes in the country have been purchased by Ken Griffin. Uh, down in Florida, uh, Palm Beach area. Uh, let me think. I'm just kind of remembering this off the top of my head. I know he bought a um, uh, some kind of suite of some sort in Chicago that was like $200 million. It was some some ridiculous number out in Colorado. So he's got a number of these things. He is the founder of the hedge fund uh, known as Citadel. So he came out after the feds decided that they were going to backstop the damage to Silicon Valley and Signature Bank and say, look, forget about this FDIC limit of $250,000 and below. We're going to make sure that no matter how much money you have at any bank, particularly, of course, at Silicon Valley Bank, but at any bank right now, we're going to guarantee against the loss for right now. And a lot of people had a problem with that, including yours truly. I am a traditional fiscal conservative, small government, low tax kind of guy. Some of you are shouting uh, in unison and saying, way to go, Dave. Others want to uh, throw up and turn the station that I would say such a thing. But bear with me. I'm about to change here a little bit. I'm about to do a 180. The reason that I, uh, and by the way, I, I need to go back to Ken Griffin, because he came out and said basically the same thing. He said, quote, this would have been a great lesson in moral hazard. And that's where his end quote was. But he was he was talking about the fact of just letting Silicon Valley Bank go under. And that anybody who had deposits of more than $250,000 sitting in cash, sorry, that was the risk you took. You should have been smarter. You knew the rules. And he's right. I've worked with people who, let's say, have sold a business and had huge sums of money, eight, eight figures worth of uh, assets sitting there. And we were not going to quickly invest that in stocks and traditional bonds and things like that. But we were going to deposit it at banks and buy some CDs, at least for the interim. And Obviously, we're well aware of that 250. So we would work in earnest to make sure that that money was properly spread and protected. So anyone that's got a decent amount of money has to know these rules. And what Ken Griffin is saying is, sorry, these are the laws. These are the rules. You have to allow things to break. Look, folks, do you know why the United States has the reserve currency, the U.S. dollar, the world's reserve currency? Do you know why foreign capital flows into the U.S. and, and, and on our shores when there are, there's a global financial crisis? You know why we get all the money? It's because we, are, we abide by the rule of law, unlike any other country. We do. We allow things to fail. We don't typically have the government intervention that is so prevalent in other uh, democracies and economies around the world.
It's draconian, I know. It can be harsh, but it's why we've become the country we have and people take calculated risks and sometimes those risks backfire. They have on me personally, but you just have to make sure that it's not the kind of risk you're taking that will destroy you. And so that's why I'm, I've always been beholden to these democratic principles in this country. So I, I really had a problem, like Ken Griffin did, that we were going to allow very wealthy investors and tech startups make sure that there was no moral hazard and that we we're going to save the bank and save all their execs. However, I have now turned over to agree with another hedge fund manager who took the opposite stance. And we're talking about Bill Ackman. Bill Ackman is not one of the most beloved people in the hedge fund industry, and for good reason. I won't even get into that now. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan. I don't know of a hedge fund manager who's more self-serving. He will go public with something just because he's talking up his book, and he sees that as a way to line his pockets even more. That's these are just the facts. We've seen this. So I was skeptical when he came out and said that he wanted the FDIC to, quote, explicitly guarantee all deposits now. He said that on Monday. So in my research and talking to people who are much closer to the situation with Silicon Valley Bank and others, I came to the conclusion that we were much closer to having a disaster around the country than I thought possible. Because look, SVB, Signature Valley Bank, isn't one of the big boys. They're not Bank of America. They're not Wells Fargo. They're not JP Morgan or Goldman Sachs. But they're still, depending on what survey you saw, they were either the 16th or 17th largest bank in the country. So they're not a little boy either. They're up there with close to 200 billion in assets at their peak. But they weren't considered one of the two big to fail banks. So they were not considered a threat to any kind of systemic failure throughout the economic system in our country. But maybe they were. Because what was happening, remember what I just said about the Twitter-fueled shutdown, the Twitter-fueled mania? It was affecting banks that had nothing to do with this. I'll give you one personal story. A relative of mine, an older gentleman, called me over the weekend. Now, he doesn't have anywhere close to the 250 limit, so he was in no danger of, of having any of his money taken away or losing it. He was FDIC insured. Also, at one of the very biggest banks in the world. I won't mention it here, but if I did, Every one of you would know it. In fact, I guarantee many of you have your own money there. He was going to drive down to a local branch and get his cash out, his little bit of cash, and literally, not just figuratively, literally put it underneath his mattress. I had to talk him out of it. Uh, fortunately, he did not go through with it. But I thought, this is one guy in my little circle. How many others have actually gone ahead and done this? Because of what they're hearing, because of what they're reading, because of the hysteria on social media. And I guarantee that this particular gentleman I'm talking about is not on Twitter, but he's hearing things because of people who are on it. And other people are in his ear and he's watching certain cable news shows that are preaching panic and despair 
and being political about it. And so he thinks he probably needs to go pull his money out of one of the safest banks in the world. We had, we were, I don't mean to overstate this, my friends, but we were on the precipice of maybe having some major bank runs in this country if it wasn't quashed. Now, one other thing to add to that, it was more than just a bank run, but you had the risk of the entire tech sector melting down too, because there are some very well-heeled companies that have ha- that have deposits at Silicon Valley Bank. You're talking about an entire industry that is number one, the biggest factor, the biggest engine to our economic motor vehicle, if you will, is the tech industry. If that thing melted down, the whole economy goes down. Now, I'm not happy about this. I don't say this lightly. I don't want the feds to come in and start guaranteeing and backstopping all the deposits. Why even have the rule to begin with, the $250,000 rule? Why even have it if we don't actually abide by it? So, Going forward, and this gets out of my lane of expertise, all right, I'm out over my skis using any cliche you want here, but others have to come to the table, both sides, and they have to figure out a way that this kind of thing doesn't happen again. We have to abide by laws, but we can't break them every time the 20th bank, or is it even next time the 40th largest bank potentially goes under, and we've got to bail them out because there could be a run on the banks because of Twitter. This is a new era phenomenon. We've got to do something about it. So that's why after learning more of the situation and realizing, be careful what you wish for, Dave, and to all of you others out there who were with me at the beginning, who said, yeah, we should not be doing this. This is a moral hazard. Why are we protecting these rich people? Be careful what you wish for, because if we had let this thing go under and stood on the sidelines, there was a really, really good chance. I'm telling the odds were better than 50-50 that this would have bled to all of us at some point. It really would have. So that's where we are. And so, like I said, um, something has to be done. And we're going to have to hold some people accountable to make sure that this doesn't happen again. My fear is you're just going to see more onerous rules and regulations by certain politicians, because guess what? No rules or regulations were even broken this time. They weren't. This was poor management. You can't legislate away incompetence and stupidity. And that's really what happened at Silicon Valley Bank as I laid that scenario out at the beginning of the hour. All right, folks, we are going to go in a different direction. I'll take our final break of the hour, and I want to talk a little social security for you. I don't want this entire show to be about what has happened with Silicon Valley Bank and in the markets, but this is another big topic. How can we make social security solvent? I got a couple of ideas when we come back. You're listening to At Your Service. My name is Dave Simons. We'll be right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. back everybody it is 852 in st louis in fact it's 852 in texas where i'm uh, coming to you remotely after my daughter's wedding over the weekend a, 
again, you're going to have to bear with me. A couple of comments coming up about that in the second hour. But for now, back to the world of finance and investing and economics. And I want to touch very quickly to close out this hour, uh, Social Security. Um, we all know, we've all seen the reports that uh, Social Security is not going to be solvent for very much longer. There depends on what report that you're seeing, but you know, one of the most popular ones that have come out recently says about 2033. So roughly in about 10 years, there just won't be any money left. Um, now, that's not going to happen. Obviously, things will occur between now and then to try to make it solvent for a little bit longer. But we can only kick that can down the road for so long. There is a bipartisan effort in Congress to consider various proposals. And, and I think one of the most popular ones is about um, increasing the Social Security full retirement age. Many of you listening right now who are taking Social Security started, if you waited till your full retirement age, got it at about 66. Um, I was born in 1962. Um, my age is 67. If I, if I want to take it at full retirement age, I can take it um, uh, in about seven years or so, six and a half years. One of the proposals is to increase that closer to 70. Now, uh, I've always uh, been intrigued by that, but I'm also never afraid to challenge my belief system. And I was challenged by a paper that I read recently from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. And they made a really good point about this fact that if we increase the longevity, I mean, we look at the longevity of how we um, have increased our longevity in this country, I should say, since Social Security came into being uh, some 90 years ago. But here's something I guess I didn't consider. It's skewed to upper income folks. The highest income individuals in our society have experienced really all the longevity gains. Did you realize that? And it makes sense on the face of it when you consider that um, higher income people tend to eat better. They have better access to health care. And the longevity of the lower earners has remained stagnant or even declined. They took a look at estimates for women born between 1930 and 1960. So we're basically looking at that age range of 63 to 93. Very fascinating results. Life expectancy for those at the bottom of the earnings distribution curve has declined by four years. It's gone down. I would have never guessed that. Meanwhile, those at the top of the earnings distribution, we're talking women born between 1930 and 1960, at the top of the earnings distribution has increased by five years. So if we increase the age to be able to access full retirement, you're basically helping those who already have the money and those on the lower scale who really need Social Security more aren't living as long. So they'll have fewer years to actually access those benefits. I never really realized that. And like I said, I love reading stuff like this that challenges preconceived notions. Now, again, fiscal conservative, I'm not into raising taxes unless I see the real benefit. And so I've always proposed the fact that maybe we do need to raise that payroll tax cap. Right now it's $160,000. We could raise it. Don't raise it on the companies who are also required to pay in 6.2%. But maybe raise the cap a little bit on high-income earners. Just food for thought. 
Thanks for staying with us here on Dollar, uh, Dollars and Cents <laughs> at your service. We'll be back coming up here in momentarily for the second hour. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.